What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Sad FCD Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Duell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Martinez. Joe, how's it going? Uh, pretty great, actually. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Um, hope your family is great. I hope you guys got to eat that third plate of food. And uh, <laughs> good good news around these parts for FC Dallas, so I'm kind of happy right now. Yeah, it's been a pretty good week. Uh, FC Dallas started the week off right Sunday, late Sunday. Well, I guess Monday morning, technically, by the time it ended up finishing um, with a, a massive road playoff victory. Uh, which we'll get into more later. But uh, yeah, that was a great start to the week. And then for me, you know, it was a short work week, only Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then obviously Thursday, Thanksgiving off. And uh, luckily, my company pretty much always gives us the day after Thanksgiving off. And then I took Monday off as just like a PTO day. Uh, so almost a week off for me it's that's the that's the key if you can try to sneak in a pto day before or after the holiday then it's almost like you get a week off while only having to use one pto day but uh i i wish i would have taken a pto day on monday because uh i didn't go to sleep until probably like two something because i was just too buzzed and uh happy after that uh fc dallas victory to to shut my brain off and just go to sleep i I think I legit like walked around my house for about an hour just looking at my phone, smiling and looking at Twitter and stuff. It was a it's a good night. But um <laughs> since the last time we recorded, which was in mid October, once again, whoops. Uh <laughs> FC Dallas <laughs> FC Dallas continued their roller coaster of a season. Um in the last episode we spent a lot of time, I believe, talking about the uh the Reggie situation, whenever that podcast came out of him talking about FC Dallas, making him apologize. And then uh, I guess this was after that, whenever Dan Hunt went on TV during the pregame show of the Kansas City game, which was the next game after we recorded, I guess the day after we recorded or posted and basically said that it wasn't true. Um didn't necessarily straight up call Reggie a liar, but you know, you can, when someone says what you're saying isn't true, I don't know. I guess this would be a good point for the, uh, Drake and Josh audio of, uh, I ain't calling you a truth, but that's basically what, uh, what Dan Hunt came out and said, but then FC Dallas won against Kansas city one nil. So that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Right. Joe, what were your thoughts on, uh, Dan's, I'm trying to remember because it was a while ago. I do remember him. It seemed like he really was like honing in on the the written part of the apology. I don't know if you remember that. He kept saying like, we didn't give him a written apology. He kept saying written a lot. Like he wouldn't say that they didn't tell him to apologize or anything like that. They just really wanted to focus in on they didn't write an apology for him. Yeah, it, it was definitely more of uh, an implied situation more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like a little nudge like, hey, man. Maybe you should apologize. Use your own words, but you, <laughs> you should apologize. Use your words, but uh, you write it down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it just kind of felt like a, a small backtrack and and a small way to kind of ease off of um, some of the blame for that situation. But uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like he got he got caught cheating or something and had yeah. to had to like 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 babe, I didn't like her tweets. 
I was just on her profile page for like four hours the other day, just scrolling back. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't mean to like the, her photo from seven from, months ago. From it's seven just, months ago, it, it just, just happened. It just happened. It just, somebody else retweeted it. So it was just kind of one of those things where uh, yeah. you, the, we all could see the picture that was painted in front of us, but the words are just different from coming out of his mouth. So it definitely seemed like a legal or PR talk to where it's oh, yeah. you know like cover all bases, but try to still paint yourself in the right light yep. anyway uh so fc dallas wins that game against kansas city then go on the road and have an absolute stinker and lose three nil to nashville uh followed that up with that zero zero tie against salt lake which i remember just being like the most the most meh i've ever felt after a road result ever just because fc dallas came out with no intent to attack at all and seemed very happy to just sit back and wait out a draw against a salt lake team that's not very good so that was pretty uh pretty disappointing to see then they went on a pretty good little run there of uh beat nashville two to one at home where they came back from one nil down and had that great uh brian to ryan link up for the winning goal late on in that match and then uh beat the shit out of houston at home three nil and uh, as the home home finale, because they did have one more regular season game. Or no, I guess they had two more, because they played Nashville on the road after that and beat Nashville on the road. They finally beat Nashville, and they did it on the road. That was the game where uh, we saw the lineup that basically ended up being the same lineup they rolled out in the playoffs of Ryan at left wing and uh, John Nelson at left back, and Ryan had the game-winning goal. So I wouldn't be surprised if... Lucci looked at that result and picked his uh, lineup based off of that game because the next game, I think they went back to the regular uh, formation with Ryan at left back and they lost three nil at Minnesota in a game that could have clinched a home game for FC Dallas to start the playoffs, which we were all looking forward to. And uh, not only did they lose three nil to Minnesota, it was basically like, majority Minnesota backups uh, with Minnesota got hit by COVID pretty good at the end of the season. And then, you know, some injuries and all that. And as Dallas came out and kind of just killed everyone's confidence going into the playoffs after a three game win streak before that, you know, I was thinking, Oh, things are looking good. You know, you get hot this time of the year and you never know what can happen in the playoffs. And then they go into Minnesota and just lay an egg and uh, I'd imagine that had a pretty similar effect on you, Joe, right? That you weren't feeling too confident going into the Portland game after that Minnesota result. Yeah, so <clears throat> after the Nashville game, I was actually riding pretty high. I knew the teams that we had beaten, like Houston and I guess Nashville to an extent. But I, I was thinking, because we hadn't, we hadn't played like maybe one of the bigger teams like Portland or Seattle, but I was thinking, hey, these are good wins. You come into the playoffs, you come in hot. And we even tried something experimental. We put Ryan up top, like at that left wing position. Then we put John Nelson right behind him. Basically shared up the back line and just let you be have chaos up top. I was like, all right, this is cool. And then we just get shellacked the next game. Yeah. And it just got, it, it killed everybody's confidence. It, it For me, I was thinking maybe you can kind of bounce back and at least acknowledge some of the mistakes that you made. But when I saw that game, it didn't look like we made any mistakes. It just looked like a really bad soccer team. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's easier to bounce back from like a, a tough one nil loss or something like that. than Mm -hmm. just getting absolutely destroyed three nil. And, you know, I've seen Dallas had some chances in that game, but really like the three nil scoreline 
was I'd say pretty fair considering that Minnesota were just just uh oh they look better they look better with their chances out, yeah. yeah they they take their chances but uh man we're rolling into playoff time um the, obviously that last result against Minnesota FC Dallas could have moved as high as second place I believe in the West if results fell their way on decision day. And they got the win. And I'm trying to remember. I think the results did go pretty well for FC Dallas on decision day, except for their own game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they end up falling all the way down to sixth, and which obviously means they were going to have to go on the road to start the playoffs. And they drew Portland. Um, before that, I mean, the start to the playoffs was was awesome you know like the the first friday night of the playoffs is where you had the two eastern conference play-in games so the first game was that new england versus montreal game where new england scored and literally like the last minute when uh gustavo bow scored that nice goal and put them through the next round and then uh the next game was kind of a stinker whenever poor miami just got crushed by covid the week of their playoff game and lost both the Iguains and their captain and really best defender and uh lgp at the back and uh lost three nil against nashville and pizarro played but he's coming off of he played like basically 90 minutes for mexico on a tuesday and then a friday night in a different continent he's got to play a playoff game so after mls of course uh changed their uh covid protocols to when i think originally they were saying that anyone who played international games was going to be ineligible for those first round of playoff games but then decided to uh charter in all the foreign players to make sure that they were eligible and then laid off 20 percent of their staff for a budget hey. reasons <laughs> good old um, christmas spirit right there yeah i can't imagine if you're one of the uh hundreds i guess i don't know how many people mls employees at their new york city office but if you're one of those people who got fired to go on social media and see all these players flex in their uh, private jets that they're flying back from international duty while you just got laid off of your job during a pandemic is probably not the best feeling, but uh, hey, I mean, I guess business is business, unfortunately, for some people. But uh, yeah. got to save those uh, Garber bucks, right? Yeah. Need yeah. those. Uh, don't those worry. People can bounce back, though. That's frustrating. Whenever they get their 60th expansion team, maybe they'll hire them back. Uh, a, a $400 million buy-in by then, or $500 yeah. million, whatever yeah. it is. Um, so the next day we had uh, the, I guess it depends who you ask, infamous or, in my case, I loved all of it, uh, the game between Orlando and New York City. Uh, Joe, you didn't get to watch it live, but uh, I was watching it live, and... Uh, like I said, that uh, that shootout was maybe the most chaotic ending to a sporting event I've ever seen. Um, just in the sense of like, what the hell is going on right now? Like, I've never been so I've never seen. I guess I was pretty confused, but I honestly felt like I had a better idea of what the hell is going on than the uh, officiating crew that day, which is probably why they've been a. Uh, you know told you're not doing any more playoff games this year <laughs> that's as close as mls will, that's like the most mls will do in terms of actually you know punishing of officials for mess ups sort of so that was whenever we saw uh orlando's goalie get a second yellow during the shootout for coming off his line too early to save what they thought was the winning penalty 
So they're celebrating and the ref says, no, 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 no. You're off your line. Keeper gets sent off. They sub in their backup goalie. You can't make a sub during a shootout. Uh, you can't bring on a player who isn't in the game and during a shootout. So the refs let them like bring the goalie in and then change their mind. And I think they let him back in again and then change their mind again. So then Orlando just has to throw in one of their field players in goal. And uh, he ends up making the winning save and Orlando go through in the end. Although I got to say, I'm happy for Oscar, of course, but uh, it would be funny to, uh, to see how everyone would have reacted if Orlando ends up losing that game. I'd imagine that their, uh, their tune of, Oh, you know, it should happens would have been a lot different. I think we would have seen a lot of pissed off Orlando fans (laughs) all over social media. That would have been awful if they would have lost. And to even add to the chaos of it, they he had they had called the game prematurely. Even oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because they forgot they were shooting second. They still had to yeah. score. So they still had to score another penalty just for the the penalty shootouts to end. So it was. I I, I know it's uh it's gonna be memorable and it's gonna be infamous. But I hated it. <laughs> I hated it because as as like I used to play goalie and as I hate the rule of yeah. Where if you're like two inches off of your line, you have to get a, you get a, you know how hard it is to save a penalty in the first yeah. place, and I just make it a judgment call. Obviously, if they take two giant steps off their line before the PK, make them retake it. But to like have half a step off of it, retake, give a yellow card and then a red card in the playoffs is is not it's not entertaining. That's just plain stupid it, it pissed me off watching the highlights i uh <laughs> it made me even it made me even more mad because that's a red card that means that guy's not going to be able to play the next game which yeah and they, they, they tried to uh, they tried to appeal it and uh, the league held it up because i mean technically they followed the rules correctly of course um, yeah but, but the rule is rule. a little silly yeah the, it's a silly I, rule i agree with you that goalies but it shouldn't be something that's like reviewable because it should only be called if it's like blatant. so blatant, yeah, yeah, that like a dude's almost at the edge of his six-yard box by the time the guy shoots it, you know, like <laughs> yeah, like if, if it's something you have to slow down and look at, and you're, and there's still, you know, like jury's still out on whether they even made the right call on some of them, because I've seen some angles since then where it almost looks like his heel might have been on the line, but uh, yeah, it shouldn't be reviewable. It's it's like you said, it, it's hard enough goalies or the kick taker has every advantage in a shootout you should score a penalty goalies are just guessing for the most part you know or making yeah, very educated guesses unless you're tim milia then it seems like you're just in everyone's head and then yeah, you you're save just a, all three you're just a cheat code at that point yeah how do you get shut out in a shootout i guess we can talk about that game next that game was incredible also that might have been the best one of the playoffs so far where san jose kansas, and yeah uh, kansas city Kansas City's coming in as the one seed, you know, and San Jose's the eight seed. And uh, the legend of Chris Wondolowski gets another chapter as he uh, scores a goal. Because Kansas City scores in, in stoppage time in like the 91st minute or something like that. And it looks like, okay, you know, they've won it. They they did it. And then in like the 97th minute, when there was only four minutes of stoppage time, but... They spent like two minutes celebrating and then made some subs. So they, they really can't complain about, oh, no. the referee should have stopped it. No, that's what happens when you score a goal and make subs in stoppage time. You're supposed to get all that time back. 
And so Wondolowski scores in like the 97th minute or something. They go to extra time. And uh, I feel like I've noticed this throughout the playoffs because we haven't had any games that have gone to extra time that haven't gone to penalties yet, I don't think. That uh, teams just seem a little scared in extra time to make a mistake, you know. And uh, they're, I'm sure San Jose was happy to ride it out to penalties uh, as the road team, just like uh, FC Dallas probably was too. But if they would have known that Tim Milia, they should have known that Tim Milia was in goal and that he's the penalty god, that uh, maybe they should have pushed a little harder to try to end that one in extra time. And then really there after that, it was just uh, Minnesota very easily beat Colorado. Um three nil and minnesota's looking good you know they've i guess they've probably got to be one of the favorites in the west now but behind seattle i would say are probably the consensus favorite now to not only win the west but probably win mls cup um with teams like toronto being eliminated after they lost to nashville and then the supporter shield winner philadelphia looked terrible and got pretty easily beat by new england so Seattle is really the, really the probably the strongest team left. Uh, I'm trying to see who else could maybe be. I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't be surprised if New England somehow ended up in MLS Cup, just because you never doubt Bruce Arena. Um, yeah, but I can see I can see uh, Poppy, no, you know, really concocting it up next game. Yeah, they're going to be without two players for yeah. this next game cuz I forgot yeah. to mention in that Orlando game they had their uh their right back took a stupid red card where he just uh Ruan Ruan, yeah, he he should have yeah. had a red card before to where there was one where <laughs> Tenerholm was going for a header and Ruan is literally like not even looking Tenerholm's looking up in the air getting ready to head the ball and Ruan is literally just got his eyes straight on him and runs into him like full speed like it's legit it was legit a penalty in the NFL like that's a targeting penalty in the nfl and he almost just knocks tenor home unconscious and he didn't get a card for that and then like two minutes later he kicks a dude in the nuts like right there just the dude standing over him and he did one of those little kickouts, you know and yeah, I, thought, I thought he was point shaving at that point because <laughs> yeah like what he, is this dude doing how can you be this like this uncontrolled in a playoff game and he's so talented which is the, the crazy part is like what is why are you this doesn't seem necessary is what it was but uh, the red card was necessary at that point, so uh, that was it was clear as hell. So they're gonna be down two players, but I still, I just, I don't know, I still feel like they can, they can beat the Revs. Yeah, they're gonna be at home too in Orlando. Uh, you saw that their fans were uh, were pretty pumped for their game. You know, that's their first playoff game and all the time they've been at MLS and to have it at home, and uh, you know they always have good support. And uh, yeah, that place will be rocking, I'm sure for their next game which let me see what day is that game that could be thing. oh it's the first game on a sunday at mm-hmm. two that'll be a good one and then sunday at seven you get columbus who re- literally right before we started recording news came out that they had four players test positive so i guess we'll see which players that uh were the ones who tested positive who's going to be available for them and uh Shit, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Nashville ends up finding themselves in the Eastern Conference Championship in their first ever year when yeah. no one was talking about them. It was all about Miami. Well, once we once we saw that they could beat Dallas, we knew they were MLS Cup favorites at that point. Yeah, anyone yeah. who beats FC Dallas is the best team. Basically. But also with Columbus, is it's only four cases right now. We don't know how many cases it's going to be total. Yeah. So that's, that's the scary part. And, I mean, it's just unfortunate because Columbus – 
top to bottom talent wise is probably the most or at least one of the top five. Yeah, I would say they would be the probably the favorite from the East uh, yeah. when healthy for sure with who's left. Because um, Orlando's good, yeah, but I guess Orlando might be the favorite now if Columbus, depending on who's who's out for Columbus. But like you said, we've seen multiple times in MLS this year how quickly those uh that number can just spread from four to all of a sudden you get ten guys out. Yeah. And the league has said that teams will be forced to forfeit if they can't field a team due to COVID. That the other team will be gifted the, a forfeit victory. MLS said they're not. We're not going to reschedule playoff games. You know, for COVID cases, we're already kind of far going further in the year than we would like. And I guess they don't want to have to push back the start of next season and stuff like that. And yeah, that's yeah, that's tough. It's a tough, tough spot. To uh, I'm sure the last thing the league wants to do is force a team to forfeit in the playoffs, you know. But hopefully, uh, I think that report said that it was in the last week or so they had four cases, and you know they probably send everyone home immediately after finding out. So hopefully, that four that did test positive are you know kept away and quarantined from the rest of the team, and hopefully, you know they'll uh, be able to play and. So I guess we can get right into uh, FC Dallas versus Portland on a Sunday night. Uh, man, that was really the day kind of started with a bit of surprise when uh, an, a, a little birdie told me that um, Fafo was going to start instead of Barrios. And that was probably surprising to a lot of people just because Michael Barrios has been a starter on this team for shit, pretty much as long as he's been on the team yeah three years yeah like like a like a almost like a penciled in starter you know like you know he's gonna be the first choice unless like it's a roast like a rotation rest or something like that but honestly i wasn't surprised by it because fafa has outplayed mikey for the most of the season especially at the end of the season we saw fafa score twice against houston in that last home game and barrios is just uh you know he's still always dangerous He's a game changer when he's on. Uh, that pace is something that not many guys in the league, or really probably in the world, can offer you in terms of just uh, just a change of pace. And you know what? You know what he's going to give you. He's going to. So whenever they threw him on late, you knew that he was just going to go at defenders, try to get to the end line, get balls into the box. This year, his assist numbers are down a little bit. And uh, obviously, he's had a, he's never been a great finisher, but man, he's had some really bad missed chances this year. And uh, Fafa is just a better finisher, and I think they like what Fafa gives them defensively, and Fafa works his ass off every game. And that's been my favorite thing about him all season is that that dude just runs his ass into the ground every game as long as he's on the field. And uh, so, yeah, Fafa got the start, and then like we talked about earlier, they rolled out Ryan at left wing and uh, Nelson at left back. Ziegler still on the bench. Um, seems like he's kind of fallen out with Lucci in terms of his starting position. And uh, what were your thoughts when you saw that lineup? Were you surprised at all or were you? Uh, did that make sense to you? Like you thought they would roll that way? Um, I was a little. I was a little surprised. I was. I was just thinking. 
<clears throat> going if we were gonna go into this game, we're probably just gonna go back to our basics, which was basically you know Fafa left, Barrios Mike. right, Hara, yeah, and then um, Ryan I guess at left back. I guess pick yeah Ryan at left back, but I guess put Ferreira in there as your third center mid slash cam, mm-hmm. um, and then the rest would be the same. But when we switched it up, I was like, well. You know, I'm I'm actually I kinda wanna see this. I was thinking at that point you, you sure up your defense, um, you bunker down a little bit and then you hope that you can get a goal and that's kind of what we did for the <laughs> I'd say first seventy minutes. They so, did score they did score early on. It was disallowed because Hara was offside, but the plan yeah. worked for about eighty minutes. Yeah, so but for in terms of the starting lineup, I really didn't have any issue with it. Um I was Kind of hoping we would get Tessman in the starting lineup, but yeah, but I understood why we went with the start of the lineup that we did. Uh, you want to get into the game? Yeah, uh, one more thing on the lineup thing is uh, Lucci has kind of said over the over the last several weeks, I guess months too, that he likes Ferreira as that cam, that 10, if you want to call it, just because he likes having him making runs into the box and almost playing as like a second striker when the ball is wide. It's because uh, for a while, I remember we all complained about how there would just be no one in the box for FC Dallas. It would be Hara against like three defenders and no one else there. So he liked having that extra body in the box to you know free up Hara a little bit. And uh, I was going to hit on one more thing in the lineup. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um Oh, well, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, going into the game, you know, oh, I remember now. I had tweeted about this today, the game. I was saying that I thought that that game was going to be like a huge moment in Lucci's coaching career just to see what his mentality and mindset was going into that game against a team like Portland who, who are, they're more than happy to, you know, give up possession, like the possession battle. And because uh, they're just lethal on the counter especially when they lost Blanco for the year, you know, when he tore his ACL. They are uh they've got just players that are really good for killing you on the counter and they're really lethal and they still got Diego Valeri pulling the strings at I think he's like 34, 35. He's still really damn good. Um and so I was curious to see if Lucci was going to come out and try to just take the game to Portland or uh you know, try to try to hit him on the counters and play conservative. In the end, if you just based off the lineup, you would say, yeah, he was going conservative. And, uh, you know, like even start of the game, uh, FC Dallas looked really shaky for the first 20 minutes or so, like barely complete a pass, nervous. Uh, and then they slowly settled in. They got that disallowed goal. And I saw a lot of people, you know, even the announcers, I think, were comparing it to last year when FC Dallas played against Seattle. And they're like, oh, where is that? Where's that side? You know, when they came out and tried to bring the game to them. FC Dallas was down 2 0 after like 30 minutes in that game. You know, like they maybe they don't want to do that. You know, they don't want to go down 2 0. They want to keep the game close and not be digging out of a hole to start the game. Sure. Like, I guess you'll you like the uh, the confidence to come out and try to take take the game to the other team. But if it's you know resulting in you being down two nil after thirty minutes, uh, maybe you'd rather keep the game close and you know take your chances that way. But uh, yeah, it was the first first half. Did you? Uh, what were your thoughts on that first half? Do you agree that they looked terrible to start and then kind of settled in towards the end? 
Yeah. So they, uh, well, first I want to go back to the comparison. The comparison was, was pretty interesting, but our team was completely different last year and mm-hmm. the situation was completely different last year. It was against a Seattle team. That's a very open team that pulls their wingers up, tries to overload the box attacks, uh, but they usually have a little bit of space in behind and the goals that we were able to get back against them. Some of them were set pieces. So it was one of those things where like that just kind of sparked the game. It was a totally different situation. If we would be down 2-0 against Portland, they, we would never score again. <laughs> they yeah. would put 10 yeah, they would the bunker. ball and the game would be over but before halftime. So I understood having um, having to want to bunker down in a sense for, for the most part of the game. But what, what the, the keys that I saw in the first half were um, Diego Chara, Williamson, and Valeri did an amazing, amazing job of shutting out Ricarte and just being able to um, not allow Ferreira to turn. So every time he would get the ball, it would just be pass it back to your midfield or look Mm -hmm. up and his channels were just clogged. So essentially at that point, instead of looking like a team that was going to kind of bunker and counter every once in a while, maybe hold possession, we weren't able to hold possession at all. And we we looked bad. We looked like the worst team for about, I'd say, 30, 35 minutes until we finally were able to break the lines down a little bit. And um, I think a big part of that was, uh, I guess that was later, but Williamson had to come off injured like right before the end of the half. And I wonder how much that kind of impacted the game for, uh, they had to bring in Paredes instead. I wonder how much that kind of messed with their game plan. Cause like you said, uh, they were, they were killing FC Dallas where FC Dallas couldn't get anything going before that. Yeah. Well, Williams was, Williamson was actually really good because in terms of their shape, they play a four, two, three, one. And whenever they would push up, Chara would kind of just sit back deep and that yeah. allowed Williams to turn Williamson to turn into basically a winger or a cam at, in some, some instances. So they were just getting more people into the box in the first half. And they were really close in a couple of their chances, or at yeah. least had a couple of opportunities that looked pretty good. Uh, but once he went down, that kind of changed their, their shape a little bit. Cause but just wasn't as, even neither as mobile and not as creative as he was, or at least he's not a little bit. Aggressive. He's a little bit more of like a destroyer kind of yeah. type, where he just wants to get stuck in and stuff like that. And yeah, not not as aggressive in, in the attack as Williamson yeah. was. But what I think was the big change for FC Dallas was moving Ryan Hollingshead basically into a cam roll. Yeah, so he went from left winger to the a false nine essentially, and we stuck Ferreira as like uh, the extra center mid. So we re- kind of weren't playing with the left winger for a while. It was really weird, but that actually helped us break into these channels a lot better. And Fafa was just moving side to side. Just yeah, they were, they, they, uh, the goal, the disallowed goal came with Ryan getting the ball, like you said, in like that 10 spot, mm-hmm. getting the ball turning and then playing a through ball through to Hara. Yeah, and, we were, uh, it just shook everything up. Not many left backs are uh, comfortable playing in that 10 spot and making plays like that. Uh, I mean, FC Dallas does switch around. Usually they're wingers a lot, but in the in Portland game, it seemed like they were switching really that whole, that front, I guess, three of the front four, you know, like mm-hmm. where Ferreira would pop up on this wing while Fafa's over here, or maybe Fafa's in the middle and Ryan's on that side. You know, they're switching it around and just throwing some different looks at Portland's, which uh, seems like FC Dallas has always liked to, uh, even back to the Oscar days, you know, of, just throwing different looks at uh at the fullbacks of whatever team they're playing against. And uh yeah, Ryan was in that 10 spot a couple times. Uh I want to give a shout out to Frank O'Hara. I, I know he didn't get a goal or anything the other night, but he was he was working his ass off all game to where he was pressing mm-hmm. all over the place and you know, winning some tackles and 
cutting off a lot of passing lanes and all that and a lot of stuff that won't show up you know on the score sheet or anything but a lot of just good work for the team and uh fafa like we said always gives you that every game um there were a couple times where he got the ball and would get forward but he just had no one with him you know because he's so fast and everyone else is sitting all deep to play defense and then fafa gets up there and all he has is hara against four defenders in the box you know but uh yeah, once they got in the second half, I'm trying to let me pull up the thing. I want to see exactly what the uh, I don't remember exactly what the first change FC Dallas made was, but let's see. I've got the thing open right now. Timeline. Well, they make a sub we... at halftime. I don't remember. Um, I don't think so. I've got it. But right uh, here. but one of my one of the one of the thoughts that I had about the first half was just uh. Which kind of kind of saddened me a little bit was Ricardo may not be that DP that we wanted him to be. Um, yeah, he's not, a... not that he was bad or that I like had this grand expectations, but when it comes to the playoffs and it comes into these big games, those are the type of players that you need to see at least just a little, just elevate a little bit more. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I don't expect him to become prime, you know, Xavi Alonso at center defensive mid, but uh, like he was, <laughs> he was, he was rough. His, he was rough. Like he was not, uh, he was not, he was not comfortable. He was not able to have simple passes. He was trying to break lines and just giving the ball away. He actually looked like one of our, you know, worser players on the pitch. And that was because obviously the press and everything, but if you, you were, if you're paying for a DP, you kind of want them to elevate and he didn't elevate to the level that I wanted him to. Yeah, he definitely struggled against Portland. Uh, I wonder if maybe some of that was the conditions, uh, you know, playing in 40-degree raining on turf. He's probably not too used to that, playing that's, in Columbia. That too, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I do think that maybe we all got a little too hyped uh, about him from the start, and maybe we're expecting him to be that every single game from, like, what he was against Houston where he scored the banger. And, you know, he did – I guess it seems like he really likes playing against Houston because he was incredible in the home game against Houston where he had a couple of assists. But, um, yeah, so the first sub FC Dallas made was in the 60th minute. They brought on Tessman for Ferreira, which was a move I think a lot of us saw coming, which may be a move that a lot of us wanted from the start, myself included. You know, I'm a big Tanner Tessman guy just from the sense that the team just looks better when he's out there. And so uh, that kind of let... Ricard, they move a little further up and not have so much defensive, defensive responsibility. Duties, yeah. yeah. And uh, let's see. And Ricard does cool. look a lot better when there's a, it's more of a three midfield, not mm-hmm. like a two midfield. And you have a cam that may not be as placing striker almost placing yeah. striker so much. Yeah. So he looked a lot more comfortable whenever Testman came in, which is, which was good. But I think the team is just a lot better when Testman is in the game. Yeah. I think 100% that, uh, the best midfield for FC Dallas is Santos, Tessman, and uh, Ricarte. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like I was talking about, like what Lucci likes is having another body in the box. And Ricarte is, you know, he's not going to be in the box. He wants to be the guy making the pass into the box. And so that's why they like Ferrer up there. And they also like Ricarte playing a little deeper just so he can get on the ball more and kind of link things up. But I think Tessman can do just as much. We've seen how good Tessman is at those. 50 yard diagonals and stuff like that where he seems to play so consistently you know to where he can spread the game as good as anyone on the team and then he's a, a big body in the middle to uh doesn't lose many uh aerial duels or anything like that and like i said i like ricarte to be a little further up the field and not have to worry so much about defensive responsibilities i want him to be the one who gets the ball when we're starting a counter and looking for that final pass and not 
necessarily a, a guy who's usually a left back being that one. Um, so then SC Dallas, let's see, 75th minute. Things are starting to slowly tilt back in the way. Uh, they brought on um, Emma Tumasi for Andres Ricarte, which was uh, a surprise to a lot of people because I think most of us, a lot of people don't know much about Tumasi at all because he's spent most of his time with FC Dallas out on loan in the USL championship. Uh, he was with Austin, I believe, this year. and uh, But it seemed like Lucci very quickly kind of brought him into the team as a key player to where he was coming off the bench in the last couple of games. It seemed like every single game he was coming off before or coming on. Um, seems like Dante Sealy kind of lost his spot in the first team out, which, you know, sucks for uh, from a potential perspective, but uh, he'll have his time. You know, he's still 17. Yeah, he's big still, games yeah, like this. Fine. Yeah. And then Tumasi came on and he was kind of playing in that 10 spot. And uh, I think a lot of people were maybe surprised to see him there, but I thought he came on and was actually really solid to where he looked really comfortable on the ball and didn't look like the moment was too big for him or anything. Uh, Portland did score a couple minutes after that sub, but I don't think it really had anything to do with it. Portland scored a really nice goal with uh, Via Fania ended up getting the goal. And he's a guy who I forgot what they said on the broadcast. He hadn't scored in years. Cause, you know, he's a left back. Five years, actually. Five years, yeah. It was a really, really well-worked goal. Uh, Valeri played a great little through ball to him, and he just roofed it from a, the near from a pretty close angle. And it was a tough one to concede. And I don't know about you, but when that goal went in, I was, I was, I had pretty much like almost accepted defeat at that point. I was like, all right, we're we're done. Yeah. So I mean, at that because at that point, so the game had been going on. Um, it kind of looked like a stalemate for about 70 minutes. Um, FC Dallas had just kind of were content with uh, not having the ball and kind of getting whatever they could whenever they can. Whenever yeah, they, they never could. created anything really so, besides, besides the maybe the first chance in the first half. Yeah. Um, and so what I think everybody was waiting for was when when was that spark going to come in? When was that extra sub? When was Barrios going to come in? Maybe a Pepe, maybe uh, a Tuomasi at wing or something that was going to spark this this game into into the second gear, so that maybe we could steal it in the last fifteen minutes or twenty minutes or so. Well, that never came, <laughs> and in the eighty what was it eighty first eighty second minute eighty first minute yeah they were able to overload our left side and just pull. Reynolds and Hedges out of position or just mm-hmm. slightly out of position and just play a perfect one two. And uh Viafania did what he had to do and just smashed it right past Mar. Um who had had a great game. Jimmy had uh, kept a minute for you know he had made a couple of huge saves. Yeah, because Jimmy's a fucking baller, man. Jimmy's a beast <laughs> and is one of the best keepers in that in MLS, but just just because he's Jimmy and because it's Dallas, he just did he just did not get the recognition he deserved this season. Hold on, I've got some audio for your Jimmy Mauer point. Yeah! Let's go! Yes! Good shit, Jim! Let's fucking go, boys! <laughs> Every time I hear Jimmy Mauer now, I just think, good shit, Jim. From Paxton yelling at his TV. Oh. <laughs> we need a we need a shirt of a uh, Jimmy good shit Jim good shit Mauer. Jim. 
Or it's just good shit, Jim, with some gloves on it. Hell yeah, man. Goalkeepers matter. And he just fucking, he kills it every game. He does what he had to do. He Just because he doesn't fly like he's De Gea or something, the, the yeah. saves are there. The ball doesn't go in the back of the net. That's all that matters. And he had a great game and almost got to that goal, but just it was just a great strike. That just it was just so close to really all he could do is just stand there. And yeah. there's no one, no one can react to that when it's that place that high. Yeah. And so essentially after that, it was the 82nd minute and we had been dead the whole time. And I, I felt like just kind of closing the the screen and just not watching the rest of the game, but I kept watching and I was like, all right, all right, thanks, Lucha. You're finally bringing, like, I was kind of mad. I was like, you're finally bringing on Barrios. You're finally, yeah, finally bringing on Pepe. Fifth minute. Yeah. Pepe, minute. Pepe on for Nelson. And then uh, Barrios came on for Santos. So for they're Santos. really just going for it at this yeah, point. So at, th- at that point we were just throwing whatever we could at the wall, but you know, ninety what? Third minute. Ninety. Oh, it just shows us. Let's see, ninety plus. Uh, I think it's a ninety. Ninety third. plus two. Yeah, ninety ninety second minute. Goal kick. Happy. Portland kicks it out, I believe. Right. Yeah, Portland had the goal kick. That's why it was crazy. They just completely fell asleep there. I think it was. Uh, let's see who won the header. I think it was Brian Reynolds wins the header. I've got the clip rolling right now. Yeah, Brian Reynolds wins a header, knocks it straight down. Matt Hedges just kind of throws his foot at it and kicks it forward. Just launches and it up. He's completely Pepe's in completely behind. Portland's defensive line is at like like the edge the, of the center circle. At like their their forty yard line, like just past past the half half. Yeah, I, I don't know. And they're all ball watching, and no one notices Pepe running in right behind, and then Pepe's uh. Shot is well saved by uh by Clark. Mm-hmm. Clark tips it off the bar. Pepe just kept following it up and taps in a rebound. And just I don't know what the hell Portland's <laughs> doing there. Like you, you have <laughs> they, they one job, asleep, and it was awesome. Yeah. They fell asleep, and you know you want you want your back lines kind of squished together when you have a goal kick. But if you look if you look at it, there there are three people on the left side. Maviala who. Is one of the better defenders on their team, probably. I mean, I guess is their best center back, and is a beast in the air. Was actually pushed like three or four yards ahead of everybody for no reason. So once the ball got past him, there was just a giant hole. Yeah, their line is a the mess. And I was on just like, clip. and you just, you're, oh, you're watching. You're just like, how is this? Ha- Hold on, is he gonna score? Is he off sides? Like in my head, I'm like, is he off sides? Like how did this even happen? But he put it in the back of the net, and I was like, it was just crazy. It was crazy. I was like. How does this even happen? How did we tie this up? I was actually laughing. I was like, this isn't real. This isn't even supposed to happen. Yeah, I said out loud. Awesome. I said, that's, that's so fucking lucky, but I'll take it. Oh, hell yeah. I was like, th- I'd laughed because I was like, this I was laughing to too. I was like, what the fuck? And the fact that like, it was like the ball bounces off of his foot. Outboard. Yeah, he took like, a terrible second touch. The, yeah, the second touch bounces off of his foot forward. If it bounces anywhere yeah. else, the, the, the play is lost. He's able to I hit it, and it got saved off the post, gets the rebound. Like, it was the most FIFA shit ever. But uh, we'll take it, and that takes us into extra time, man. It, it really looked like he had screwed it up. That one touch got out pretty far in front of him, but he still managed to... That's why the sh- original shot, he kind of just had to poke his foot at it. And the mm-hmm. uh, keeper made a save off the post, and he puts it in. And like I said, I, before that, I was fully in like the just waiting out the end of the match. I had already had my angry tweets ready, <laughs> talking about the difference between a team that's built for development and a team that's built to compete. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I still think that's true for the most part. Um, so then we go to extra time and Portland just like 
seemed like they had no interest in winning the game after that goal. Like they just FC Dallas dominated in extra time. Besides uh, that one chance that Valeri had, literally like the last kick where he kind of mishit across and it almost just floated right into the top corner. So where Jimmy literally had no clue on it. He's running, looking over his shoulder, you know, and the ball just bounces right into like the top corner off the post. And luckily no one from Portland followed it up. Um, but really that was the only chance Portland created. Dallas really were the, on the front foot and looked like Portland were happy to go to penalties. And uh, sure enough, we did get to penalties and... Man, both teams are just put on a penalty-taking clinic that uh, San Jose should have been watching because it was final score. The shootout ends up being eight to seven, and really all of the shots were well taken. You know, to where they're all in the corner. Keepers were diving the right way, and plenty of them just couldn't get to it. Saw uh, Hara. They did sub in Reto. I forgot to mention late in extra time because uh, Fafa went down hurt. Uh, I haven't heard anything about that, so I'm assuming he's all right. He looked like he was all right post-game celebrating and jumping around and stuff, so I guess his hamstring's all right. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were maybe expecting FC Dallas to sub on Retho if it got to the point to where we uh, were looking like penalties were likely because, you know, he's been so good at penalties for us over the years, and, you know, having an extra guy that you can 100% count on in the shootout makes a big difference. So they threw him on. He shoots first, obviously puts his away, and then Franco gets to shoot second. Uh, and then really, really, I think we all knew those two were going to take penalties. And then after that, we're like, shit, who knows? Freaking Brisson steps up third. And I literally said, oh God, no, whatever. I saw him stepping up third. He comes up, does the, uh, Pogba run up where he takes a bunch of little steps and just side foots it right into the back of the net and let out that cool, uh, the gift that everyone was posting of him just screaming. He was fired up and you could just see all the, uh, all his breath because of how cold it was when he's fired up. Uh, I don't even remember who went after. I think uh, Brian, maybe. No, Brian was later was on. I think Hedges, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, let me see. It shows the penalty takers here. Uh, yeah, Brisson, and then Pepe. That's right. Pepe. Uh, I guess Pepe was another one we could have expected to shoot, just since he, you know, take a lot of penalties for North Texas, and. Um, and obviously he was probably feeling pretty good after the goal and extra time and he or in stoppage time. He scores. Then Ryan Holling said the legend steps up fifth and scores. Uh then Matt Hedges shot sixth and probably had the best penalty of the shootout. He just tucked it right in the top corner. And um Tessman stepped up and smacked one in the bottom corner. And then Tumasi ends up scoring the last, I guess the winning one, really. Tumasi scores his penalty, where he just went straight down the middle. And then Jimmy Maurer pulls off a save against uh, the guy yeah. who, Viafania, who had scored in the 82nd minute, or 81st, I don't remember, uh, of what surely he was probably thinking, I just scored the game winner in a playoff game. And if there's any better example of how the sport can just be a cruel cruel bitch is to go from that feeling to then you you kind of lose your team the game because your penalty gets saved you know how quickly emotions can just completely turn for you in sports and especially in soccer jimmy makes a great save it was a good penalty too he hit it hard into the corner uh jimmy knew said i think i heard in an interview he said that the way everyone was hitting penalties he knew he was just gonna have to just 
just full on go all out for a corner, like to the corner on one of them. And because uh, guys weren't guys were hitting the corners on every one. So he's like, I just got to go all out for this one. And uh, he had a couple, I think, where he got his hand on barely. And he, you could tell he's pissed and he made the save. I'm not going to lie. Uh, my celebrations were pretty uh, delayed because I was just waiting for the referee to call it back for uh, him being off his line or something. But then uh, it became clear that FC Dallas had won it. They had stole one against Portland. And I just walked around my house, whisper screaming because both of my babies were asleep. And uh, man, just paced back and forth, just mouthing, let's fucking go over and over again for a good 10 minutes. And uh, then ESPN immediately cut off <laughs> coverage and sent it straight to Sports Center because they're like, all right, that's enough of this shit. Yeah, Van Pelt came on and uh, gave us his uh, nightly nightly show, whatever it is. Yeah, and there was no mention of MLS. And Jesus, man, the freaking broadcast c- were just showing how bored they were during the game. It's like, I get that like <laughs> it wasn't the most entertaining game, but think of people who are maybe not fans of either of these teams that are tuning in and watching this game just out of like curiosity like oh i'll watch this you know soccer game they're maybe not the biggest soccer fans but they're like "Eh, it's midnight or 1 a.m on the east coast there's nothing else on tv right now i'll watch this and the guys are talking about uh oh so what'd you eat for dinner like sarcastically like mentioning how boring this game is like that doesn't it doesn't do anything to make your product look better to make people want to watch you know, they use that same joke. I think like three or four times. I was yeah, like, like throughout wait, extra time. Yeah, extra you, time was pretty boring because, like I said, teams both looked kind of nervous. To like, I don't. We don't want to screw up here and but cost I, ourselves again. So just just kind of go back a little bit. Uh, FC Dallas looked actually really good in extra time, though. For I'd say the first ten ish minutes until Fafa got hurt, and then at that point it was just kind of yeah. like, hold on, Bunker until, down, yeah. yeah, hold on, penalties. Until, penalties. Um, you know. I just want to say shout out to Hedges for improving Assist. literally every single facet of his game other than, I guess, speed over his <laughs> career. And so now he's one of the best passers in the league, got an assist, and one of the best penalty takers in the league. I didn't know this. I say you put him on all the penalties from now on. I'm and you saying that was – Let him let him wear the armband every game too. Hell yeah. That he's was he's cool. earned his captain spot. And uh, yeah, that – uh. That was a Matt Hedges assist on the Pepe goal. I mean, I don't know how much he knew about it. Honestly, it looked a little bit like he was just swinging his foot at it to kick it up field. But yeah, uh, hey, yeah, he flicked it up. Yeah, you got to do it. And Pepe, and shout out to Pepe because penalties. I mean, they're I, even though I said that it's hard to block them, it's still hard to take them. And to come up there and with nerves of steel and just smash it bottom corner perfectly as a 17 year old, yeah, is in the playoffs is that's really impressive. And it's um, all mental. Yeah, it's all mental. And just well, you still have to put it to the ball where it needs to go. And so yeah, you know, I you know that was that was fantastic. And Mara comes up big, and uh, you know, and then <laughs> so that was the game, obviously. And we were hyped, and I slapped my table and I yelled for about five minutes. Then, yeah, I kind of had to quiet down because everybody <laughs> was asleep. So that was it. And you know, the question of can you do it on a cold Sunday, rainy night in Portland just got answered. You know, <laughs> FC Dallas can do it on a cold, rainy night in in the Pacific Northwest. But of course. Is anyone surprised that whenever we saw the playoff bracket come out, we said, oh, my God, of course we get Portland in the first round. And even if we do pull off a victory, 
Then we're gonna play most likely Seattle in the next round. Uh, I I I did say that I I think LAFC could have beat them if they were at full full strength, but you know they lost. They had four guys going international duty, and all four of them got COVID for LAFC. Yeah, that was rough. So they're missing Rossi and Rodriguez and. I forgot who else. Oh, they're left back. Uh, yeah, most, for Ecuador. Most of your strike force was gone, which is yeah. So they literally it's basically just the fighting Carlos Velas at that point with like Atuesta and Mark Anthony K, and uh, they lost three to one to Seattle, and so that sets up another FC Dallas versus Seattle playoff game in Seattle. Uh, obviously, FC Dallas had the chance to play at home if LAFC could have pulled off an upset. Uh, wasn't meant to be. I wasn't too confident going into that one just because LAFC's issues. But uh, Seattle again, here we are. Hey, but I'm excited. Fuck that, dude. We just won this game. We stole this game. We have yeah. momentum. We can we can do it against Seattle. They're good. Yeah, still, we can do it. I think so. The pressure is obviously all on Seattle. No I mean, one is expecting FC Dallas to win this game. Similar to money at this point. Exactly. Yeah. No one. Well, no one is really expecting them to beat Portland either. But at this point, it's even way more in like in Seattle's favor in terms of, you know, honestly, going in the Portland game, I had a really good feeling seeing all the other games around MLS that were all going to extra time and penalties. I was really like I kept saying like out loud to like my dad, I was like, this FC Dallas is going to go to extra time or penalties. I just know it like that game's going to drag out. It's going to be two teams who kind of wait each other out. And I did tweet before the FC Dallas game started. I said, fuck it, FCD and penalties. I wasn't feeling too confident leading up to it. And then I just got like kind of like a wave of confidence before the game. So I was, I don't know, I guess I was feeling a little good. And I said, you know what? FC Dallas is going to steal this one. And uh, they did steal it. And now they're in a position to where maybe the underdog role suits them. I know that we all get super annoyed whenever teams wear out the whole, oh, no one believes in us thing. Like Minnesota was really trying to drive that earlier in the year. It's like, no, it's not that people don't believe in you. It's just that you're Minnesota and no one cares because you're not LA or Seattle, you know? Yeah. You're a good team. Everyone knows you're a good team. Yeah. We've given you props the entire season. Yeah. You have one of the best coaches in the league. FC Dallas is a team that has been at many points this year, the laughing stock for mainly off field reasons, but, and then also have a coach in his second year of coaching men, you know? And, going on the road against Savarese, who I would say is one of the better coaches in MLS and obviously has shown that he's very good in like that tournament format. They won MLS's back. Uh, he won NASL with Jimmy Maurer, of course. That was a cool part of that story that Jimmy saves the penalty to knock out the coach that he used to play for in the NASL. And uh, that's why I had Portland going to MLS Cup, just because I've seen how good they are in that like those knockout games over the years diego valeri always seems to step up in big games and uh somehow fc Dallas stole one and like you said at this point it's literally you could not be more playing with house money you know no one's really expecting much and i would say there's a good chance that i mean obviously as long as they don't go in there and get beat like six nil or something like that like if they go in there and lose two to one or one nil something like that i don't think most fc dallas fans would be I guess most rational FC Dallas fans would be too pissed, you know? Yeah, we're not talking about, uh, you know, Facebook FC Dallas fans, you know, for the most part, the most. But uh, if in terms of, you know, not getting any respect or 
being the complete underdog. Just uh, most of these teams, uh, the commentators know how to commentate their name correctly. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're Franco have, we're, Ricardo Pepe and uh, Franco O'Hara and Barrios, Barrios and Mer. Mar, Mar, or I don't even know how they were saying. I don't know, but so yeah, I would hope that if because uh, Taylor Twelman and John Strong or, or whatever his name is are probably going to do this next match, match as well because it is Seattle. So Stuart Holden and John Strong. Let's see. Hold on. Let me no, see what channel it's going to be on. Stuart Holden is the one who does. Yeah, it's on FS1, so we'll probably have Stuart Holden. Oh, and, okay. uh, well, let's hope they get. <laughs> let's hope they get the names right this time. But yeah, I trust I trust Stuart Holden and John Strong more than I trust Taylor Twelman with anything besides complaining on Twitter. Yeah, and yelling and <laughs> stealing what people's are, tweets. Are you and kidding? And <laughs> yeah, he, he did steal Walter's tweet that once. That's right. Well, I, <laughs> I've I've seen that he's done that for a couple of people. So, and then Walter would just oh no no, no Walter stole his tweet to make fun of him stealing someone else's tweet. That's right. I'm glad <laughs> that hasn't been blocked yet. Oh, yeah, because he tweeted him again the other day, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, Seattle, it's it's going to be a tough one, man. And uh, Seattle, I'd say, are probably the consensus favorites to win a Moss Cup this year at this point, considering all the results. Maybe even before, I think a lot of people probably, even though they weren't the one seed, I think a lot of people probably would have taken Seattle over Kansas City. Um, and now, you know, they're... Kansas City still alive, obviously, but didn't have the best showing, and we're almost beat by San Jose, who a lot of people don't rate. So, I mean, if SC Dallas can go in there and really just put in a solid performance and be competitive, don't let the game get away from you early on, like they almost did last year against Seattle, you know? Um, just show that you belong and compete and just, you know, just put in a good performance really just try to get some respect and who knows man the, this these one-off playoff games are can be somewhat of a crapshoot at times i think there's still a lot of skill and ability in being able to win games where there's that much on the line i think that that's not it's not a total crapshoot like some people are making it out um but i mean if you can go in there you never know you never know what can happen you know you might get a lucky bounce here or there and uh Maybe uh, maybe we're talking about FC Dallas in the Western Conference Finals in a, a week or so time. Who knows, man? Crazier things have happened. At this point, why not? You know, <laughs> why not us? If they win, if they win against Seattle, then I'm fully on. Why can't they win a MLS Cup? You know, it's like they're already this far. There's no reason they can't win win the whole damn thing. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you you never know what's gonna happen, and it's it's a one off game. And like I said, we have the momentum. We have we can go out and gamble if we wanted to. Uh, I think we kind of probably will do the same approach. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, if we lose to Seattle, I'll be pissed more of so of the fact that it's Seattle, and not the fact yeah. that we lost. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm excited. I, I'm hoping you know Tuesday can come a little bit sooner, but. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 really happy about all of this. I think, you know, I think we can do something special if we get past Seattle because at that point, you know, who knows what can happen. Yeah. Um. If they've if Kansas City goes on, they've already 
we've shown already, that they yeah they yeah, played Kansas City three times this year, beat them twice, and tied once, including two of those games were on the road. And, so and, and we've beaten Minnesota before as well. So yeah, oh, yeah. I'd rather play Kansas City than Minnesota. I would too, but I'm just trying to throw some yeah some positivity <laughs> out there. Um. But yeah, that's our playoff journey so far. Uh, did you want to talk about Brian for a little bit, or? Oh yeah, yeah. That was uh, that came out of nowhere with the uh, guys over at Third Degree dropping that uh, uh, Juventus were really keying in on Brian Reynolds and uh, supposedly supposed to make an offer of like six to seven million, which uh, obviously was surprising to all of us. Not from the sense that. You know, teams were interested in Brian, but a team that big willing to spend that kind of money on a guy who's really only played half a season of top division soccer, you know. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see how uh, Bayern Munich would maybe want to throw their hat in the ring, considering, you know, Brian went and trained with them for a little while last year as part of the little partnership they had with them. I wonder if they maybe want to make a run at Brian Reynolds too, and imagine they already have. Imagine the bidding war between Bayern Munich <laughs> and Juventus over an FC Dallas <laughs> right back. You know, that's just who's played for half a season. About. Yeah, and I, I think the most exciting part or the craziest part was that it was just a random drop, <laughs> like nothing, yeah. nothing before, just bam, six, seven million dollar bid, mo- like reportedly rumored for Brian Reynolds, and you know. When when we saw him come in, it we told each other that it was it was only a matter of time. And the, the kid's what six two, one of the fastest people on the pitch, and can cross the ball really really well for somebody his age. Uh, it was just only a matter of time before a, a big club, and and let and and I guess now a top five six club in the world to see that yeah. you know the kid had talent. Yeah, he uh, he's he's still very raw. Yeah, a lot of his talent. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people would always debate the Brian versus Reggie thing, and I, I get it because I mean, Brian literally took over for Reggie when he left, and they play the same position, and everything. Um, I think Brian di- uh, does have a lot of work defensively to do. I think he got exposed several times against Portland, where uh, yeah, he definitely did. He got did dirty a couple times, one v one, and uh, but like you said, it's really just the potential for Brian is so high considering. Well, one, he's only been playing this position for a couple years, you know? Like, he was a winger or a striker for most of his, like, youth career. And then, apparently, it was Peter Lucene who had the idea to play him at right back. And uh, it's, you know, it's been early on. Like, even watching him, uh, I remember watching some North Texas games last year and thinking, wow, he's really good going forward. And uh, obviously, at that level, he's not getting tested defensively as much as he will at this level. And then, geez, whenever you're getting to talking, you know, Serie A and Champions League and all that, that's a whole nother test. And I will say that I wouldn't expect, even if, say, Brian gets sold this this uh, winter, I would not expect to see him for the Juve first team maybe in the next year or two. You know, there's a good chance he's going to be playing with Juve's like U20s or U23s and stuff like that. Or maybe that they loan him out. This could be... You know, they maybe want to key in more on that American market, but they already have Weston. So, I mean, I think they really do just rate. There's a good chance that, uh, you know, I saw someone tweet. I forgot who it was. They tweeted about how, you know, Juve had to talk to FC Dallas because they gave the solidarity payments to FC Dallas when they bought Weston. 
or I guess loaned mm-hmm. by. <clears throat> so yeah. maybe there was there was some contact then. Yeah, that's, and that's what I said, I "Hey, if there's any other players, you know, the, <laughs> you know, and y'all got any or like uh, someone made the uh, Tyrone Biggums meme of the y'all got any more of them FC Dallas Academy players? <laughs> yeah, I think teams yeah. around the world are starting to recognize that the FC Dallas Academy produces some uh, some good talent and." Uh, Reggie Cannon wasn't the only one, you know. And really, what's crazy to me is that figure of six to seven million. You know, like that's a lot for. Think about that for an American fullback playing in MLS, who's only played for like half a year. Like that is that's a that's a huge amount. Oh yeah, I so um, yeah, I figured this was this this had to have come from, I guess FC Dallas forming a tie with Juventus or at least communication because uh they didn't have to give fc dallas any money but they they decided to so that was a really good gesture and i guess at that point they were like hey i've heard you guys have a pretty good academy down here do you mind if we take a peek and uh saw that there's a six foot two you know four two right winger slash right back that could potentially grow and develop more and you know just turned 19 and Especially because Juve kind of like uh, Pirlo right now likes using like wing backs really more than just likes traditional fullbacks. Yeah. So he likes using probably... wing backs, and they wanted to get younger, which was one of their goals. Um, and at this point, your your right backs that you have are are Cuadrado, who is in his earlier mid thirties, and Danilo, who isn't really isn't really the most world class right back you can get in the world, and he also plays right back, left back, right wing, whatever it is. So yeah. So I was- I was just looking this up just to give a good like reference for uh, the size of that transfer fee for people. So like when DeAndre Yedlin was sold from Seattle to Tottenham, remember how much DeAndre Yedlin was hyped up before? And he was kind of similar to where I think he only played one year in MLS, I want to say, after college. And uh, he was sold for about $3 million, a little bit less than $3 million. Yeah. And at the time, you know, we thought that was huge. But think about that. Like so... I get, yeah, I get the you know transfer fees are different nowadays. Everything seems to be going up as far as transfer prices. So a guy that you get in 2014, you know, isn't is going to probably be worth more now just from the way the transfer market has trended. But still, that's over twice the amount for a, a player who a lot of people, I think, in general, most people around like U.S. soccer don't rate as highly as everyone did DeAndre Yedlin at the time. You know. I think it's a lot of it's because, unfortunately for Brian Reynolds, he plays at the spot which probably has the most depth for the U.S. national team right now is right back. When you see, you know, we're having to throw Serginho Dest at left back just because they want to get him on the field at the same time as Reggie, who also plays right back. So uh, Reynolds, maybe uh, maybe for the national team, is going to be in a little bit of a tough spot. But, I mean, as far as a uh, club career goes, every single team needs a right back. So... <laughs> There's not a shortage of teams in need of a fullback. And especially now, it seems like the way the sport is going, it's all about uh, you want fullbacks who can attack, you know. And uh, Brian Reynolds is definitely that. So really happy for him. If we obviously, nothing's for sure yet. Uh, I doubt FC Dallas would hold him back. They've kind of shown in the past that they have, they've always stood by what their player wants in terms of letting them go when they're ready and if they want the move. And I wouldn't expect them to do anything less, especially if they're offering that much money. I think you take that money and run. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. That's that's a Not- big enough fee to where I think, hey, you should take it. Plus, it's a high profile transfer. You know, you, yeah, you that transfer that helps you to Juventus. Yeah, and imagine you know the next kids coming up there debating whether they want to. Yeah, I don't know. I guess go to Austin FC's academy or. Houston Dynamo's new logo <laughs> academy or something. Or the kids who are debating on if they want to sign they a homegrown deal or go to, to Europe and try to exactly. you know, work their way up. Maybe yeah. they're thinking, oh shit, I can come here, play for a little while, yep. get my profile up, and then get that big money move to those big teams that I'm probably not able to sign for right now. Yeah, because right now you can say, hey, you have a, we have we had a kid that went to uh, Bayern Munich and is and started a Champions League game, and now we have a we had another kid that is at Boa Vista and probably will go to Lille, and now we have another kid that went to Juventus. So you, this would be yeah. a good spot for you. So I'm excited. That's cool, man. That's so cool. And- and uh, yeah, I guess the news came out last week too that Brian and Tanner Tessman were going to get called up to the national team camp in December. There was going to be all like domestic players because I don't think it's during an actual FIFA window. Yeah. They're going to play against El Salvador at a Miami stadium. So uh, there's just another big moment in the the career of Brian Reynolds. He's played for a lot of the U.S. youth teams, and uh, I think a lot of the youth coaches ranked him. Uh, I don't know now since you know they got a bunch of new coaches whenever Burhalter took over, but. Burhalter has shown that he values young MLS talent and he's killing it in the dual national game. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge Tanner Tessman fan. And I think he is another guy who it's only a matter of time before he's playing in Europe, as long as he gets consistent minutes here to show uh, the ability that I think it's very clear that he has. And uh, he's another guy who is so good technically. And then you look at his. You know, I, I got an argument with someone on Twitter about, oh, size doesn't matter. Sure, it doesn't, but it doesn't hurt to be a huge body while also being really good technically, you know? Like being six foot two is a plus in the mid, in the center, like the center of midfield. Like, you can't tell me it's not. Like, when you have a guy that big who is that good on the ball and stuff. Oh, for like sure. Like, yeah. You, you look at guys like Pogba and stuff like that, or uh, Sissoko, those guys who are just big bodies who can just boss in a midfield. Like, yeah, Testament has said that the guy he probably models his game after the most is Paul Pogba. And I guess I guess I got to start calling him the American Pogba. Take that uh, take that crown that I used to always give to Kellen Acosta as a joke and just pass it on to Tanner Tessman. But Yeah, yeah. That's huge, man. That's huge. I'm happy for these kids, man. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, all we have left to do now is just wait until uh, Tuesday, and hopefully uh, hopefully we're talking about a... Uh, I, w- I will admit that we were planning on doing a season recap episode at some point this week, but that got a little bit thrown off the rails by FC Dallas deciding to win, actually. So <laughs> call us uh, doubters all you want, but uh, we were preparing for the worst, and who knows when we finally get to do that season recap episode, but got some things in the works that I think will be cool for a lot of people to hear and uh, maybe some names that you'll be excited to hear. And uh, when that time comes, we'll we'll go with it. But uh, yeah, happy late Thanksgiving. Peace, y'all.